Welcome to Tunnel Talk Radio on 90.3 KRNU Lincoln with your host, Colton Stone. I think Mark Stoops has probably realized that when you play defense, you need 11 guys out on the field. And Stephen Huff. He's Baton Rouge through and through. I mean, this guy is gumbo running through his veins. (laughs) Welcome to it, Tunnel Talk Radio on 90.3 KRNU Lincoln. I'm Colton Stone alongside Stephen Huff. Stephen, I said it this morning when I was on about 54, 55 degree weather right now. Finally getting football weather. Some people would say it's fall baseball weather. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, how are you? I'm good. I love this weather. Chaotic week is done for. Got good football. Baseball is uh, piping up right now, going into the playoffs. And good slate of uh, football, or as true Patriots like to call it, soccer games <laughs> this weekend and next week. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Patriots of what country, I suppose? <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine which ones call it soccer. And you've got the Ryder Cup over mm-hmm. in, uh, I believe they're playing in Paris. Yeah. Um, so that's going on. Tiger did well this week. Yep, Tiger won an event, yeah. uh, number 80 for him. So, yeah, wild week of sports. Um, your Cubs are in the playoffs. Clinched it. Now they just need to they, clinch the they central. They haven't won yet. Yeah. They haven't won the central yet, which. I'm nervous. You don't want to be that team that has to play in the wild card. And I think they might. I think they might be. Now, I'm, I'm pessimistic because I don't want to get my hopes up. Because <laughs> I don't look at sports really often as a fan anymore. Um, but the Cubs and the Army-Navy game are the only two, <laughs> two things in sports that I really look at as a fan. And Juventus, but no one pays attention to soccer here, so. Those are really the only three things I look at as a fan. And I don't want to get my hopes up for disappointment. So Yeah, I, are they, what are they, a half game back now? I think they're a half no, game. No, they're, they're a game ahead. They're a game ahead, With, heading into the final series. But yeah, they, three games to play. And they play the Cardinals. which And the Cardinals are vying for a spot themselves. Exactly. So I'm, Those two could end up playing each other <laughs> for the, the wild card game. I don't want to talk about it. Meanwhile, the Brewers... Play the Detroit Tigers, one of the worst teams in baseball. So they could easily sweep, and if the Cubs drop one or two, yeah, if the Cubs drop one, they're it's a it's a tie, yeah, at best. So, well, I think the one thing we can agree on, I didn't intentionally wear this Cardinals hat. It just went better with the Rams oh. shirt that I'm wearing underneath this, um, which is a St. Louis Rams shirt. But uh, I appreciate that. I think we can agree that as long as it's not the Dodgers, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm okay with the Dodgers not making the playoffs. <laughs> I was going to wear my Rockies hat. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, as long as it's not the Dodgers, I think everyone will be okay. I'm perfectly okay. Although I am sad to see Kershaw not the same guy he used to be. But everyone, I'm okay with the Dodgers. I mean, he Dodgers. collapses in the playoffs anyway. Yeah. So. I'm okay with the Dodgers. A lot of people don't like Yasio. I hate Yasio. And he licks the bat. <laughs> Nothing gets grinds my gears more than seeing Yasio Puig lick his bat. Because, have you heard why he does this? Uh, maybe. He, they asked him, and he said, because I have to show love to my bat so it shows love back to me. <laughs> oh, are, that is, this guy is mental. I'm not, I am not, <laughs> he's on something else right now. I'm not a fan. I, I will admit, I, I like Yasiel Puig as, like, a player, mm-hmm. but I get where people get rubbed the wrong way with his personality because even sometimes, yeah, stuff like that, I'll look at him like, I don't... I don't know if I approve of that, but we'll uh, we'll roll with it anyways. So Jeez. yeah, I'm good with the. It'd be wild to see three NL Central teams. Happened a couple years ago. Well, I mean, look look at like the standings. Yeah. There's not many teams that are 
Well, when the when the season started, they said there's going to be three teams from the same division. It'll probably be the West with the D-backs, Dodgers, yeah, the D-backs hit a slide late, but the Rockies were thought to be the odd team out of yeah. those three. Yeah. Now they're going to win the division. Well, they're yeah, they're only a game ahead, but they're hot seven straight. I think mm -hmm. they've scored 35 or more run differential in the last seven. Jeez, something insane. They cannot stop hitting home runs too. Well, it'll Tank be interesting course. to see how uh, how that one shakes out. They did get kind of lucky. Well, yeah, their last four games they played the Phillies. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I like the Phillies, but I like the Phillies, but they've been struggling lately. I so. think they kind of they got to a certain point in the series or in the uh, season, just kind of mailed it in because yep. they were leading the NL East for. I mean, at at the All Star break, I think they were doing great. Yeah, and I don't know if someone got hurt or what happened. Aaron Nola is going to be a star. He's a stud. So. They got a lot of nice young guys, and they got the payroll to pay uh, whoever they want, Machado, Harper, or Trout, any two of the three. They probably got enough all money. Three. For, Let's just get all three. They got money for two of the three, and yeah. I would love to see all three. But they got it's a bright future for the Phillies. I wouldn't be surprised. I think I think when they missed on Machado, I don't know if they missed on Machado, but I think when they missed on Machado when he went to Dodgers. the Dodgers, it was more of like a – we don't well, need to win now kind of thing. Why should we give up more? Right. I think it was that, and I think it was, well, he's going to be a free agent next year we'll get him. After, <laughs> yeah. the, after the fall, so we can still try to get him then. So, yeah. I think it was a good call. I agree. So, well, that's enough baseball for now. Next week, hopefully. Maybe, maybe, maybe over the postseason we can actually talk some. Yeah, maybe we should Maybe we should become a baseball show. I don't know. But anyways. <laughs> Not Nebraska, if you're wearing that Cardinals hat. Well, yeah, we'll see what the wild card game is. That could, we should know by Monday. Mm -hmm. So, because the wild card game is on Tuesday, isn't it? Yep. Or one of them is. So, but until then, we've got to pay attention to Husker football. Um, don't have to. I guess we choose to. We we could just ditch it and leave <laughs> it to the wayside, and we probably shouldn't. Um, Nebraska takes on Purdue this week. I know we talked a lot on Monday um, about trying to find a silver lining for the Huskers in their loss against Michigan and for the season so far. And Jake and I were talking this morning about how tough this team's strength of schedule is. And if, you know, depending on what kind of rating system or stats you look at, they're actually not even close to being one of the worst teams based on certain ratings. Um, the th fact of the matter, though, is that people are going to look at the actual record and the actual stats and – I mean, rightfully so. Right. We shouldn't dive into well. Their simple rating system is, you know, <laughs> they should actually be two and one or anything like that because they're they just aren't. They just aren't. Yeah, it's it's just like tough to look at it if you're a Husker fan and really have not optimism but not panic either. It's kind of that weird gray area where it's like, am I mad or well, is this just should I just accept this? That's kind of what I. I think at the beginning of the year, Nebraska fans were okay with losses and uh, because they understood it's a transition and it's going to take time and they really do believe in Frost, and I think they still do. But after that Michigan game, that was deflating. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like fans are still as optimistic about the future as they were before? Because that game was embarrassing. See, I, and I don't think, by no means do I think like the panic meters through the roof or anything like that. But at the same time, it's completely understandable if people are like, maybe this thing's not going to go how we thought it was. But, you know, we were talking about even today, 
You look at UCLA, who's also 0-3 yeah. with Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, one of the Proven greatest coach. yeah, greatest offensive minds. Especially in college football when you can get away with not being as X and O savvy. Right, especially on defense. Too. Yeah. If if your defense can hold up and your offense scores 60 points, you're probably fine. Right. Um, and he's 0-3 too. So that the you look at that and you wonder – you know, how full was the cabinet for UCLA versus how full was the talent cabinet for Nebraska? Um, is it because UCLA is trying to run old Chip Kelly offense with a quarterback that wasn't recruited to do that? Is it just because they don't have Josh Rosen at quarterback anymore? And that's the same, same thing for Nebraska. These guys are coming off of, you know, they ended the season with four losses, right? Um, you know, you're walking into a losing mentality, Right, and that's tough to turn around. Yeah, no matter who you have at the helm. And with UCLA, they had, you know, you take the last three years of UCLA and the last three years of Nebraska. UCLA has more wins. Yeah, it just it, not that the culture was that much different. It's just that it was probably easier to walk into it, and being zero and three is more of and and both teams are are changing the offense. I right. mean, both teams are doing very pro style too. Chip Kelly offense, right? <laughs> right? Both teams are essentially doing that, but it's it's hard to think that people are super optimistic, but it's hard to believe that people would be freaking out also. So you think, but do you think the the so like the optimism has died down some? Because I kind of get that feeling. I think the optimism was so high that you know people are thinking, oh, we're gonna get nine wins well, this year. We're gonna do this. Gonna that. follow this up with. If it is falling, if the optimism is, is it because the expectations were too high at yes. the beginning? Yep. <laughs> or is it because this might be a little bumpier than than it actually we thought anyone would thought it was going to be? I think it's a little bit of both, and I don't know. I don't know how much you. I mean, don't blame Akron. You blame the weather, right? But you know, if they play that first game, is it different the next game? And I think a lot of people forget. Colorado's two years removed from playing in the Pac-12 title. Troy was 11-2 and and beat LSU last year. Uh, Michigan is always, if not the best, the second best defense in the Big Ten and, like, top five in the country, always. With a stellar coach. And they only, Harbaugh gets a lot of flack. He's uh, still a very good coach. And they go 8-4 and four because the teams they're playing are Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, they're two Wisconsin. Teams, yeah, they're all teams contending for the playoffs or a Big Ten title. <laughs> yeah, they're all teams doing that, or they're all teams that have a top 25 defense. <laughs> like So your offense, whether it's efficient or not, I mean, you look at times when Ohio State gets shut down by Penn State, or Penn State gets shut down by Iowa. It's just the Big Ten is so defensive heavy that you can't expect to go into a game. Now, the flip side is, you know, Michigan scored 56 on Nebraska, but Nebraska is also still kind of – it feels like through week three, and I said it would probably need to be, you know, by about the Wisconsin game, they've got to find their sea legs, and they've, you know – They don't have much time, if that's still the they're, timetable. They're running out. Yeah. And now they don't have the bye week to regroup. You know, the and bye week was – guys are starting a, to get banged up a little bit too, which obviously is going to happen throughout the season. You don't want it to, but right. it happens to everyone. But Stoltenberg's a big loss for this team. I'm, we'll talk about that later, but this team's starting to get banged up. The spirits are as low as they've been, mm-hmm. and the schedule's only getting tougher. See, and, that, and that's the thing is Nebraska is one of the toughest schedules. Like I, I mentioned, they have one of the toughest strength of schedules. And I, to answer your question, because I've kind of just danced around it a little bit, I think the expectations were so high 
not because people thought they were going to come in and win nine or ten games in the first season. I think it's they just expected more than last year. Yeah. And they were just preparing for better than last year. And I think it's easy to get carried away yeah. and caught up in the Scott Frost momentum to no one's fault. Yeah. I mean, he's a likable guy, likable coach. It's an easy story to write. And I mean, it's the an addition, easy story to fall in love with. The addition of Scott Frost was basically taking a 4-8 team and maybe improving by two wins because last year they could have been a 2-10 team. Mm-hmm. They really, I mean, it was that close. So I think everyone kind of fell in love with it so fast. I don't think optimism is falling. I think people are becoming realistic. I think the op- optimism is becoming realism. And the reason I say that is because, yes, people were like, oh, they should be able to contend for second or third. And I'll, I'll admit it, I said they could probably be third or, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, or Northwestern. Northwestern's hit its own bumps in the road. But um, I thought Nebraska was a third or fourth best team in the West. Right. And I, I don't think that's too high of an expectation. But when you basically go from last in the West. I don't think it's too high because I think there is talent and this coaching staff knows what they're doing mm-hmm. but I think a lot of the fault is people expected Colorado and Troy to be cakewalks yeah Colorado was underestimated and Troy was too now Troy didn't come out and play the best game and Nebraska probably shot themselves in the foot um, but those weren't just easy games mm-hmm. and I think people are kind of realizing that now and I think people are getting worried about Purdue because of that because I think Purdue was one of those games they etched in as a easy win or a win that they should be favored in at least. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and I know we've done this before, but I might as well just reiterate it. You know, you go through the first four games, it, assuming Akron would have been played. Um, let's just sub in Bethune-Cookman for them. So that's a, Bethune-Cookman's a win. Should Colorado people thought. Was, was expected to be a win, but it wasn't going to be like, I think Colorado three or anything like that. I think that. Colorado's impressed even their own fans and yeah, their own media. I agree. I agree. Troy, Troy was you you etch that one in as a win, but you also etch it in as almost a trap game. Yeah, and not because you know they're this lowly seven and six team from the previous year. It's that you should beat them based on comparative talent, but and they're the, pretty good at football. And you're going to be coming off a week of an intense rivalry against, against Colorado, Colorado and then you're the next week looking if you look ahead too far it's against Michigan in the big house which could be a huge statement win uh for this coaching staff and team so it easily it would have been uh considered a trap game yeah so you know you look at the first four games and best case scenario is obviously 4-0 but Michigan would have that would have taken a lot to win that one so I think a lot Realistic. of fans expected three and one. Yeah, I think a lot of people said three and one. I think I open, open said, you know, probably three and one, maybe two and two because of Colorado. I thought two and two, but I was once the season started, I was leaning one and three because I thought Troy had the chance against Nebraska. I and I no I and I, I know told you did too. Yeah. I, you know I told people, do not be surprised if I actually think. Now, I'm not trying to take credit for this or anything, but last year I joked that Nebraska would start 1-2 and two with a win over Colorado. Now, they didn't get to play Akron. I was saying that Akron and Troy <laughs> were going to be in Nebraska, but well, I'm, in a similar I'm, only, I'm only a little bit right. <laughs> well, at the beginning of the offseason, I said if there's one team Nebraska stumbles up against in the non-con games, it's going to be Troy. And then I looked into Colorado more and thought that was more the dominant team, but Troy shouldn't be slept on and. And I think fans realize that a little bit too late. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You look at, uh, you just look at the schedule, and 
It's a mm-hmm. must win. We said it. We said it on Monday. But yeah. even if the committee is allowing five win teams into the playoff or into the bowls now, because they're, they're a five win team in the playoff, there's something. Because <laughs> <wrong. laughs> they're adding extra bowls though, so five win teams might make it back in. It's, this is definitely a must win, even yeah. even in that scenario. And I mean, with with nine games left, you can and no rest. And no rest. I can find four games right now that are chalk them up as losses, which is Iowa, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Michigan State's still an iffy one for me only because it's at home and you don't know what kind of Michigan State team you're going to get right. in late November. I think there's only one team we can etch in as a win for sure, and that's Bethune-Cookman. Illinois is probably 98% chance. Yeah, and again, that depends on – you know, if Illinois goes on some kind of a tear and they're six and four when right. they play or, or whatever it may be, or yeah. Happens to Nebraska, um, Minnesota's—they're good, but it's still kind of a toss-up at the moment. At Northwestern, Northwestern looks very lowly, so you can find them there. Really, there's only about three games that you can say, "Yep, that's a win." Yeah, and it's Illinois, Bethune-Cookman, and probably Northwestern, especially with Jackson going down for them. Larkin. Larkin, excuse me. Jackson was the former <laughs> running back that Larkin replaced. But yeah, Larkin yeah. medically retiring. This Cervical season. stenosis, narrowing of the top of the spine. Yeah. And he was really the only playmaker, on, consistent playmaker on that yeah. offense this year. With your, and injuries have now – we said injuries would plague this team, and now injuries are really plaguing this team because they lose yeah, – We didn't lose expect them playmaker. to lose Larkin. We expected them to lose Thorson, and that yeah. still is a extreme possibility. Yeah. yeah. So um, – in a roundabout way, am I surprised Nebraska's 0-3? Yes. But am I that surprised? Not really, I guess. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised with how ugly the loss was to Michigan, though. That's the only thing, because the close loss to Troy, if Troy was going to win, it was going to be close. If Colorado won, it was going to be close. And you thought, again, no Akron game, Um you would have thought that would have been probably a boat race for Nebraska, hopefully. But Michigan, I did not see it going that way. No, they were not unstoppable. At all. And it's it's not tough to look at this Purdue team and think like, yeah, this should be a cakewalk. But you look at their last five games, Bull went over Arizona by three, lost to Northwestern by four. In a lost, game that they could have won. Yep, a loss to Eastern Michigan by one. In a game they could have, should have won. won. Should have won, yep. Three-point loss in Missouri as they hit a game-winning field goal. Had chances. Yep. And then they finally get a win. Over a ranked Boston College squad. It's a big one. It's 17 points. So this team, Purdue is pretty consistent in they either win or it's close. There's not really an in-between. It's And the ones that are close are usually a loss. Probably could have won them, though. Yeah, that's the thing. Their last five games, they could be 5-0. and They just happen to be 2-3. and Yeah. And then you look at Nebraska's last five, 56 and 10, 56 to 10, 24 to 19, 33, 28, 56, 14, 50. Three of their last five losses have been 56 points. Jeez. Well, you could even expand that a little more. Four of their last six, because Minnesota's <laughs> in there, they, they had 50, didn't they have 56? They have 55. I think so. I think so. so. I can't remember. Before we get into Nebraska-Purdue matchup, I want to ask you, Scott Frost dubbed the Michigan lost as rock bottom for this team right and we we kind of read that cryptic quote about summer's coming right i thought about this this week and i want to get your take on it do you think that was a mistake for him to dub that as rock bottom because i think there's a chance purdue wins this game and if 
Purdue does, then what if, what do fans look to and what do fans say? Because that truly would, hopefully you would imagine, be rock bottom. But a Purdue loss after a, quote, rock bottom loss to Michigan has to make it look a lot worse. Well, personally, I don't think it was rock bottom. Um, ugly, yes. Rock bottom, no. Um, and the reason I say that is because, I mean, I just read you the scores from the last five games. Um, Penn State only won by 12 because they were playing their backups for most of that game. Iowa won by a lot. Minnesota won by a lot. Ohio State won by a lot. Wisconsin suffocated you after being close. You lose to Northern Illinois. I mean, the list goes on and on, and that's just 2017, (laughs) right? I mean, there's a reason why that guy's not here anymore. But then you even look at, you know, some games in Bo Pelini's career, um, some big losses to Ohio State from him. Big losses to Melvin Gordon. (laughs) Yeah, well. No one really, uh, no one escaped that one a lot. <laughs> um, then you even go back to Callahan. You've got Kansas State, or not Kansas State, excuse me, Kansas, Texas Tech. Um, you know, you, there's a couple of big losses to Colorado early in the 2000s. It's not Tough losses to Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, and you know, it's not it's not so much that there was ever really a rock bottom of a program. But every year, it just piles it's, on. Yeah, if when it got bad, it was terrible. When it when it was <laughs> when it was good, it was okay, and when <laughs> it was bad, it was awful. That's basically how it went. And we were looking at it today. You know, they, I, I think people are very quick to forget when they said like, oh, in the past twenty years, we haven't even been close uh, to anything. Well, my rebuttal to that is, other than you know, two thousand one being kind of a fluke, they shouldn't have been playing. Miami in that Rose Bowl. But they, between 2009 and 2012, they played in three of four title games. They played in the last two Big 12 title games, didn't make it uh, the first year of the Big 10, but were close. And then they made it. I mean, they got trounced by <laughs> Wisconsin. But, I mean, their losses that year were kind of a big one to um, Ohio State. And then they had a loss to a close loss to UCLA. They had um, a loss to Wisconsin. And then by that time, no one wanted to play. Uh, who did they? I think they played Washington that year yeah. in that bowl game. Um, and so, or twenty twelve. Yeah, I think that's. I think right. it was Washington because then they played them the following year in the non-con game. Uh, flip that around. Flip that. They around. played them twice in twenty eleven, and then they played them again okay. in the next bowl game. I think, or I don't know, whatever it was. It would, no, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but either way, they. Oh, it was Georgia. They got beat forty five thirty one. Georgia, the first year they played them. Yeah. Um, so they had four losses. They're ten and four. And then I looked at like their um, adjusted win loss, and they were like twelve and a half and one and a half because some of those games were like not. Not necessarily close in the fact that they could have won, but close in the fact that it could have flipped either way. So, again, do I think it was rock? Do I think that specifically was rock bottom? No. But what does he say if they lose to Purdue? That's that's this is rock bottom. That's why I think Frost (laughs) made a mis. He hasn't made many mistakes uh, when it comes to press, but I think he might have made a mistake there because if Purdue wins. How can you say something to get the confidence back in the fans or the players that already show signs of giving up? Yeah, that's the thing is um, I think it was a very gut reaction. And 
whether that's on him or on his emotions, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, you get beat like a drum. The only thing you can say when you come out of a press conference is something like this was rock bottom. And I don't, the thing is, is like if they lose to Purdue, but say they lose to Purdue by a touchdown or they lose by the three points that they're underdogged by. Yes, it's at home. Yes, it's Purdue. But if they go out, compete, and are better than they were last week, then I don't think that's rock bottom. I think that's progression. Yes, it is still lost to Purdue, but this Purdue team's averaging almost 500 yards a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, this Purdue team sh- should be 4-0. Yeah. And I know you say that about a lot of teams, but this this Purdue team should be 4-0. I agree. I just think it was uh... – he should have been a little bit. Frazier was bad. Yeah, saying it was rock bottom, and then pretty much um, insinuating that Purdue was going to be a win. Oh, I guess I didn't hear that part, but talking about how it's a winnable game and Nebraska should beat Purdue next yeah. week. And uh, I understand he has to show confidence in his team, but if they don't win this game, and you already dubbed it as rock bottom, and you already counted this one as a game they should win, then there's his his validity is almost going out the window. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what you'd say after it. I I think the I think the reason Michigan was rock bottom is the 132 offensive yards. Yeah. I think that's why. I, there's no explaining that other than a few expletives. Yeah. Probably that's about it. Um, I mean, I don't know. I I think I they're in a tough spot now. I don't think he needs to backtrack by any means. I think what he said was was right, but at the same time, it was a little quick. Yeah. You know the trigger was a little was a little hot. I don't know. It'll be. It, Time it, will tell. Yeah, it's even bad to sit here and think that like, what <laughs> after that what could be worse? Yeah. I mean, at least they aren't playing Illinois this week. I guess because <sighs> Illinois is out for blood. Yeah. After that Penn State game. Yeah. After giving up forty two unanswered, <laughs> I don't I don't know how you respond after that. Uh, it shut down your program, but yeah, I I don't know. How do you I, think Nebraska matches up against Purdue? I see it more as Colorado Troy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think Purdue's strengths throwing the ball. Yeah, Nebraska's Rondale weakness. Moore. Yeah, they Nebraska's weakness stopping the throw, stopping the pass. Yeah, well, and they struggled to stop the run against. Uh, Michigan, a little different backfield, though. <laughs> um, now, Purdue is averaging 165 yards rushing a game. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Nebraska is allowing 157. So that matches up pretty evenly. Um, that number is also very inflated by the fact that Michigan had, what, 200 and something? Um, yeah. Somewhere around there. So where does Purdue match up well? Throwing, obviously. And... Their weakness, I would say, is is just their defense as a whole. Yeah, they give up a lot of yards. Now, they've been starting to force turnovers the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but they give up a lot of chunk plays. Mm-hmm. And, they're, I mean, they're giving up 26 points a game. They're scoring 28 points a game. Could easily if, be If that's more. not a definition of these guys only playing close games, I yeah. don't know what else right. is. So, it's three and a half is about right. It's it's probably going to be three and a half on either side of this thing, but if if Purdue does, I'll put it this way: if Purdue does what 
Colorado does, but slightly more efficient, they win this game. Yeah, I agree. And the reason I say that is because not because I mean clearly Steven Montez is the better quarterback yeah. than David Blau. And that's no offense to Dave Blau. Dude's almost had a thousand yards already through four games. The reason I say that though is that Colorado's defense was better. But if David Blau can play to Steven Montez ability and then maybe like a little more yardage to make up for the defense that offense will get clicking yeah. pretty well. David Blau, you said almost 1,000 yards, 990 passing yards on the year. Um, 868 of those 990 have come in the past two weeks, and all six of his passing touchdowns in the past two weeks. So this guy's coming in hot, too. Yeah, because Sindelar, Sindelar played a lot of the first two weeks. Yeah, they rotated quarterbacks, and then Blau really set himself apart. Which I, I don't know if we could have guessed that at the beginning of the year, but Happened David Blau being the veteran, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of figured he would end up with it. Um, keys to the game. Keys of the game. Keys of the game for for Purdue. I pretty much said it. Do what Colorado did, but more efficiently. Yep. Just uh, allow less yards and <laughs> and do what Colorado did. I mean, I know the defense is a little more porous than Colorado, um, and that's saying a lot because Colorado gave up 500 <laughs> yards. But it's if if Purdue can play like Colorado did, or even Troy. It's it's going to be a, a big check mark for the them. The only thing I would add to that is if Purdue can get going early and get up a couple possessions early mm -hmm. on, I think that'll suck the life out of this team that yep. has already shown signs of not wanting to be there whenever uh, they face adversity, and it might suck the life out of the crowd too. So if Purdue can score early with that offense, I think it'll be a tough day for Nebraska. Key for Nebraska? Oh, where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> Quarterback play? They need something? produce positive yards <laughs> like yeah. i mean anything but last week uh score more than 10 points <laughs> I, don't, a, I don't know where to start with nebraska i think i think every facet with of the run the, game yeah and you could say that probably every week but start with the run game because if you can't get and, and mo was ill this week hopefully he's better um you know like you said people are starting to get banged up Greg Bell needs to get going. Mo Washington needs to get going. Oh, Zigbo's a veteran. He's been in this position before. Get him going. As the, I don't want to phrase this. The more pressure you can get off of the quarterback's shoulders, the better. Now, you'd still need to rely on them to produce, but the more that you can get from your backfield, the better off they'll be. I'll second your key to the game there. I, I agree because I think we saw the backfield moving against the other two teams, and then they played Michigan, couldn't get anything going, and it was Who a Who arguably is well, the best defense not, in the Big Ten, possibly. The only one that's allowing less yards is Miss Michigan State. Right. They've played one less game, too. Right. So They're up there. One of the best in the nation. Easily. Every year. Year in, year out. So, I agree, though. Nebraska needs to get the running game going. Uh well, we'll pick them, but I think the last thing, I mean, Purdue's being picked more often than Nebraska, but I think the uh, the one other um, key for Purdue, very similar to Colorado with LaFisca, Chenault, Rondell Moore. If yep. Rondell Moore is explosive and efficient, it could be over quick. I see those two players, LaVisca, Chenault, and Rondell Moore as equals. They yep. Same skill set, same ability, one of the most – Two of the most dynamic players, uh, receivers in the nation. And Rondell's got 33 catches already, uh, four touchdowns as a freshman. So. And he squats 600. <laughs> Who could forget?
Who could forget? I'm I'm the fitness guy. I always try to pay attention to the uh, strength and conditioning stuff. But you're fitness guy. I'm special teams guy. Special teams. Kickers special teams. That's going to be the key this week. Yep. Uh, it's key every <laughs> week, I guess. Well, Stephen, we start. I'm wearing the hoodie. You already mentioned it before. UCLA at Colorado. Colorado's an eight and a half point favorite. This one's tonight. Little Pac-12 after dark. Friday Night Lights. Who do you like? Blackout and Folsom Field. I got to go skull buffs. UCLA hasn't impressed me this year. The adjustment to Chip Kelly's system is a little bit too much. I think buffs put up a lot of points. I'm going to go 45-20. See you. Yeah, I kind of like that. Uh, UCLA struggled big time. And it's it's kind of been a surprise, but at the same time we talked about it. Um, it's, it's a new system. But at the same time, Colorado's got Steven Montez. We just said Chenault. Uh, the defense has looked good enough so far. I don't know, eight and a half is smaller than I think it's going to be. Colorado, 41-17. I think, I think it's a big one. Central Michigan at number 21, Michigan State. Michigan State is a 29-and-a-half point favorite. They get a bye week. They come off, get a, uh, they get a win. I think it was a non-conference game. And Central Michigan is trying to be the fourth MAC team to get a win over a Big Ten team. Who do you like? Michigan State in this one, their defense looks great. We just mentioned them. Offense hasn't impressed me. They've been uh, a little stagnant as the year has gone on, and Michigan State doesn't seem as dominant as people uh, pan them out to be this year. But I do love that defense a lot, so I'm going to go 24-0, Sparty. You know, I was looking this one up a lot on on Twitter, Um, trying not to pay attention to the actual numbers, just the opinions of the fans. You know, Central Michigan isn't a terrible team. Michigan State struggled with Utah State. They lose to Arizona State. But the difference is is Central Michigan doesn't have 100-degree heat on its side, and they also don't have a pass game. And Michigan State's run game or uh, run defense is pretty good. They've only allowed like 98 yards this whole season. So Michigan State 29.5, give me 31-0. I like it. Two shutouts. Two shut- yeah, I, Central Michigan may score late. <laughs> it's not going to be close. Indiana at Rutgers, plus 16 and a half for Rutgers. Um, <laughs> ugly, but who do you like in Piscataway? Rutgers has been the worst team in our power rankings for the Big Ten. They're starting to compete for the worst team in college football. I'm going to take Indiana in this one. 42-3. to Another touchdownless week for Rutgers. I think they score, but it's not going to be on a pass because they, <laughs> they, they haven't done that all season. Um, Indiana... We said at the beginning of the year would be one of the more surprising teams of the Big Ten, but I'm not surprised how good they are by now. Uh, three and one, close loss to Michigan State. I backtrack here. I, Michigan State beat Indiana, not a non-conference team last week, but they took some trickeration and some tough defense to get that win. Rutgers, abysmal, and their quarterbacks Arter Sitkowski. We still still don't like that name. Arter, yeah. Uh, How do you have a baby and look at it and say, Arter, that's Arter. cute. Yeah, I guess it could be foreign. Maybe we're just being inconsiderate, yeah. but 55-10. I love it. Purdue at Nebraska. Huskers plus three and a half. Too many similarities for me between, for this game and the Nebraska-Colorado game. The only difference, Nebraska carrying no momentum into this one. Against Colorado, they were carrying a lot of momentum. I'm going to take Purdue in this one. 34-28. Things are not looking good for Frost and company. Yeah, I, I've i been torn on this one all week because I want to lean towards Purdue because it seems like the right pick, and I want Nebraska to get their first win just because they need one. <laughs> and this being a must-win, as every game should be at this point from here, in out, here on out, I think Nebraska has to win. 
and I think they will based on the fact that they need to get one. But it'll be close. Uh, Nebraska, 34-31. Number 14, Michigan at Northwestern. 14.5-point favorite are the Wolverines. Uh, a couple of years ago, these two went 0-0 at halftime. That was a turnover battle. Uh, I don't I don't see that being the same this year. What do you like? Uh, I think we could see one of those zeros. Northwestern without Larkin. Uh, that was the only dynamic player on their offense, only p- consistently productive guy. Still question marks health-wise and just, frankly, at the quarterback position in general. Uh, we saw what Michigan did last week. We don't need to beat that dead horse. Uh, <laughs> Wolverines, I'll take ooh, 45, 45-10. Yeah, what is, I, I, I think we said this in our power rankings. What does Michigan do really well? Run defense. What does Northwestern not have? Now a run game. Uh, they're going to be relying on Clayton Thorson and TJ Green to do something. And, you know, as like you said, we don't need to beat a dead horse, but Nebraska got 132 yards against this team, and the quarterbacks looked awful. Um, I, I don't have no faith in Thorson or Green to do anything productive. Shea Patterson will throw 22 times for 164 yards and Four touchdowns, probably. Um, we'll see if Chris Evans is back this week. But Kron Higdon in the, that backfield has been insane, giving Michigan Michigan 48-17. A lot of blowouts so far. Yeah. Number four, Ohio State. No blowout in this one. I, I hope not. Uh, hopefully this is a good game of the week. Number four, Ohio State at number nine, Penn State. Penn State is a three-point underdog at home in Happy Valley. It's a wideout. Uh, this, this is a big game year in and year out. A whiteout in Happy Valley might be the best college football atmosphere in all the land. I love it. I really like McSorley, but I think Ohio State's a little bit too strong. I think it's going to be a close one. Another uh, classic game, 28-24, going to be decided late. Give me Buckeyes. You know, two years ago, whiteout, Happy Valley, block a field goal to win the game. Last year, tough loss for Penn State at Ohio State. It's another whiteout at home. You know, they're coming off of a rough week with Appalachian State and a lot of points. And they've only won five times this this century since uh, in this in this series. So I like Penn State in this one. Uh, Trace McSorley, Miles Taylor or Miles Sanders, excuse me. Uh, it's close. 27-24. I love it. I I feel like we have to split on that one. <laughs> yeah. It's it's too close of a game to to for both of us to pick Ohio State. Uh, number 12, West Virginia at number 25, Texas Tech. Plus three and a half is Texas Tech. Huge win over Okie State. Definitely underestimated Texas Tech or over-exaggerated how good Okie State was. Yeah, I can't get Okie State right this year. Texas Tech came out and surprised me, but this three and a half spread is still a little bit closer than I thought it would be. I like West Virginia. I like Will Greer, and I'm going to stick with West Virginia and Will Greer. Greer will probably be a first-round pick uh, in this upcoming draft. I'm going to take West Virginia. No defense in this game. Uh, 56-52. You know, I think we predicted a very high-scoring game with Texas Tech and Okie State last week. And, you know, it was for one team. (laughs) And it was on pace to be a high-scoring game. Um, I really like this Texas Tech team. They played really well against Houston. They played really well against Okie State. But I think West Virginia is just too much, even for them at home. Three and a half, I like that close game. But it will be very high-scoring. 65 65-59. 65-59. I think I picked that game before, but 65-59, somewhere in that range. Here's a game of the week, um, mostly because we know nothing about either team, so we're going to totally wing it. UL Monroe, the Warhawks, 
are going to Georgia State as a seven-point favorite, but every site I've looked up says Georgia State's going to cover and win straight up, so I don't know why they aren't the favorite. But who do you like, Warhawks or Panthers? This whole week I knew we were going to throw this game in there because uh, we were running out of games this week. There's not many big matchups. And uh, I thought this team was Georgia Southern the whole week. Um, so I know absolutely nothing. Like you, I don't understand the spread, but Georgia State still being the favorite. But Georgia State's the home team. Um, and I've never been impressed with anything UL Monroe's ever done. So I'm going to take Georgia State 24-21. That's a shot in the dark. Uh, Georgia State, not Southern. Uh, we will be picking Georgia Southern as well. <laughs> Georgia State is not the triple option. Or Georgia, yeah, Georgia State's not the triple option team. Uh, have not looked impressive. UL Monroe's quarterback has got 1,056 passing yards Jeez. this year. Uh, yards allowed for this Panther team, 532 a game. Uh, that spread is weird, and it's also weird that uh, Georgia State's going to win straight up, but they're 1-3 against the spread. Give me the Warhawks. I think it's close. 34-27. I should have done my homework on that one. <laughs> The internet's a great, great tool, Stephen. <laughs> uh, Army at Buffalo, two teams that you and I both have, have kind of pumped the brakes a little bit, but at the same time, they're both playing really well. Buffalo's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite after a, a demolishing win over Rutgers. Whether that's impressive or not, I don't know. Buffalo has looked really good this year, um, but I can't steer away from Army. Uh, I, I, I don't think teams that don't face triple options can prepare for triple option offenses easily. Teaching the scout team to learn that in a week just doesn't come by nature. I don't think Buffalo is prepared. Army looked great, took Oklahoma to overtime, beat Hawaii, uh, smashed Liberty. I'm going to take Army in this one. Uh, 28-21 for the third straight week, Army will finish a game 28-21. Along with beating a Big Ten team, they've also beat the other three teams, no, the other two teams, excuse me, that have also beat a Big Ten team within the MAC um, or Temple's in the AAC, but either way, they still beat Maryland. They still beat a Big Ten team. Buffalo is basically a better Big Ten team than Rutgers is. Let's throw them out and throw Buffalo in. Uh, 4-0, they are averaging 428 yards a game to Army's 429. This thing's going to be close. Seven and a half is pretty good. Um, I expect a lot of points, to be honest. Give me Buffalo. Uh, give me Buffalo 45, 45-38. I think it'll be come, come down to the wire. Army covers, but by half point. Wow. Who do we got next? We've got number seven Stanford. Now, this is actually right up there with Ohio State and Penn State for game of the week. Number seven Stanford at number eight Notre Dame. The Irish five and a half point favorites. Yeah, this one I flip-flopped all week on. But I took Oregon last week over Stanford, and Stanford impressed me, came back. Oregon maybe lost that game themselves, but Stanford was still in it to win it. I'm going to take the Cardinal in this one. You and me talked about how Notre Dame has a chance to make the playoffs this year. This is a must-win for him, but I trust David Shaw a little bit too much. Uh, Stanford, close one, 17-14. Yeah, this is a must-win personally for both of these teams. Uh, you know, Stanford trying to be the team out of the Pac-12 Pac forgot that they have two extra teams now um they're trying to be a team out of the pac 12 notre dame trying to get in as an independent is the toughest road to get in they're always playing teams like stanford usc michigan michigan state not an easy schedule i have been really impressed by this team so far but i've got to agree with you stanford against oregon i thought oregon was going to run all over them and stanford proved us wrong uh i do think it's close five and a half in favor of the irish uh, give me Stanford. 
Man, give me Stanford 31-28. I think it's a close one. South Carolina at number 17, Kentucky. Kentucky on an absolute tear since I picked them. Um, They're just a one-point favorite, though, against South Carolina. South Carolina is 2-1 this year. Um, Both of these teams uh, have looked looked fairly good this year. Yeah, and I was surprised to see Kentucky sneakily all the way up at 17th in the latest polls. I didn't realize they climbed that high. However, I think South Carolina edges them out. I think Kentucky has their hopes a little bit too high right now, and this one's going to bring them back down to earth, sober them up a little bit. I'm going to take South Carolina in this one, 28-21. I don't know if you've ever been to Kroger Field, because I haven't. It must be a (laughs) a tough place to play if they're only a one-point favorite. Um, Kentucky's still if I remember correctly, has a guy by the name of Benny Snell Jr. in the backfield. 87 carries, 540 yards, and seven touchdowns. One point. I think it's going to be bigger than that. Give me Kentucky. 38-27 Kentucky. All right, number 20, BYU, coming off of a big win against Wisconsin. I don't know if they played last week. They might have had a bye week, but they go to number 11, Washington. Washington, a 17-point favorite. Washington trying to be that other Pac-12 team that can contend uh, for that spot in the playoff. I I like this matchup, but 17, that's a big number. 17 was a little bit more than I thought we would see, but Washington has been one of my favorites in the Pac-12 all year. I haven't steered away from them yet, and I don't plan to. I'm going to take Washington in this one, 28-17. They were 17-point favorites over Arizona State. It was a seven-point game or eight-point game, whatever it may have been. It was close. 17 points. BYU was a 21.5-point dog to Wisconsin. BYU's looked good. Not that good, though. I don't think they are good enough to beat Washington. I don't know how Jake Browning still has eligibility for Washington, (laughs) but I know that they've won a lot already this year. Give me Washington. Uh, 17's too high for me. 28-10. 28-10. Oregon State at Arizona State. 21 and a half point favorite. Arizona State started 2 0, loses two in a row. Do they bounce back this week? I think Arizona State smashes them. Oregon State might Good. be the worst team in the Pac 12. I'll take Herm Edwards and company. Boy, they're going to put up some points. 42 10. Ugly. You know, I could say it every week. I'm not very high on Herm, but I'm high on the Sun Devils. <laughs> uh, they are big favorites. 21 and a half points. They said that Herm's plan is always let the quarterback take over in the fourth quarter. Don't necessarily like that plan because what if the other three quarters aren't very good? But Manny Wilkins, just one interception to seven passing touchdowns, over 1,000 yards already, a pretty good completion percentage. Eno Benjamin, almost 300 yards and two touchdowns. Akil Harry is a grown man as a receiver, and I don't think anyone even matches up nearly close enough to Nikhil Harry for Oregon State. They're allowing 540 yards. Per game, Arizona State about 400 yards per game uh, on offense. So, yeah, 21 and a half. It's probably going to be bigger than that. Give me Arizona State. Then again, it's Herm. He likes low-scoring games. Um, give me Arizona State 38-10. Number 19, Oregon. They kind of let us down last week. Didn't look great, but some questionable calls by Cristobal there late. At number 24, Cal. They are a one-and-a-half-point favorite over the Bears. Who do you like? Yeah, you and I both took Oregon uh, last week. I thought Oregon was impressive throughout the year until uh, later on in that game, as you mentioned, questionable calls and execution from the Ducks. Um, But I still think Oregon's the favorite. And then teasing our our subject later, mascots, the Duck versus the Creepy. 
Oski for Cal. I mean, this is going to be a blowout. Oregon, in every facet of the game, is going to win it, even down to the mascot. I'm going to take Oregon 45-28. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, you look at total yards for Oregon, 508 per game, and allowing just 326. They're scoring almost 47 points per game. And Cal, now Cal's looked good, but you look at the teams they beat. UNC thought that was going to be a good win. UNC's bad. Uh, win it, win over BYU. BYU looks better than than we thought they were going to be. And then a win over Idaho State. Is that convincing enough to sway me to pick them? I don't think so. One and a half is pretty small, but it is, you know, essentially that's five points because it's a home game for Cal. Uh, I think it is close, but I think Oregon at some point breaks away and runs all over them. Give me Oregon. Give me Oregon 48-31. I like that. And finally, uh, the game that you thought we were picking, and now we are, <laughs> Arkansas State at Georgia Southern. Arkansas State's a three-point favorite. Arkansas State played Nebraska last year, played them close. These teams, Arkansas State has played number one Alabama. Georgia Southern played number two Clemson. So this is kind of like number one versus number two. Who do you like in this game? Arkansas State impresses me just about every single year, but I look at Georgia Southern running the option, and then you look at who they pumped out, Adrian Peterson. Now it's not that Adrian Peterson, but still an NFL caliber Adrian Peterson for the Bears for years. Jarek McKinnon, who I like a lot actually in the NFL, uh, plays for the 49ers, and then current NFL rushing leader Matt Breida, who took over for the injured Jarek McKinnon. I don't think they can do any wrong with this running game. I'm going to take Georgia Southern in this one. Three-point game, I'll go 28-24. Georgia Southern's defense, when it comes to what they're weak at, is is pretty equal. They're equally bad at pass and rush, but it's not that bad. But Arkansas State, 466 yards a game. They're 3-1, and one, but Justice Hansen, 953 yards, 10 touchdown passes already. But when your quarterback's your leading rusher, that's – that's pretty sweet. I, I love triple option, but I am going to have to take Arkansas State in this one. Uh, the pass game is just going to be too much for Georgia Southern. Give me Arkansas State 38-35. I think it's going to be a close one. So but Southern pushes the spread there. Pushes the spread. It, yeah, it's going to be a push. I, like I think this game is going to be close. Do we just like let the music go yep. under us? I, I'll, I'll drop it down a little bit. That way it goes away. So there are your college pick them. Uh, hopefully we hit all of your favorite games. I know we hit all Georgia of our favorite Southern. games. Don't make me rethink it while the music's still going. <laughs> uh, yeah, 38-35. I think Arkansas State wins that one. All right. You alluded to it a little bit, but we have our top five and bottom five, including some honorable mentions for mascots. We've got about six minutes to do this. I think that's plenty of time. Oh, yeah. Um, but we'll we'll start. You want to start with the top ones? Yeah, let's, let's start, start top. With, okay, top five mascots. Not really in any particular order, but kind of. We'll, we'll start with the honorable yeah. mentions. Rocky from Toledo. Some people say he, he's he trying gets, too hard. He gets too much flack. But, I mean, it's basically a knight or an astronaut with, like, a spike on his head. I think it looks fine. It's he all carries right. around, like, a I don't know, a pitchfork or something. A he's got a think, cape. A lot of people think he's one of the worst. For that reason, I think he deserves an honorable mention for the best because he is not nearly one of the worst. No. And you'll see the, you'll the know five why. later. Uh, Sparky, that one's just kind of a personal thing. I I like Sparky. I think more is the logo than the mascot. Arizona State, they have good branding. Yes. And a lot of people are kind of upset with the uh, rocket fork, as some people call it. But uh, I like it. 
it looks fine. It's kind of it's more modern, but they still try to use Sparky whenever they can. And lastly, another uh, Pac-12, Benny the Beaver, Oregon State. Uh, he's cute. It's it's a he's kind of teeters that line of, you know, if you see him in the dark, is he scary? Or <laughs> if you see him when the lights are on, it's going to be fine. Uh, no. I think he deserves it. If, if there's one thing Oregon State's doing right, it's their logo is more modern and their mascot's pretty all right. I liked their old logo better, but... So did I. But Oregon State and then the next team we have up, what does it for me is the, is the two buck teeth in, in the front. I think that makes it cute. Honorable mention, top five. Worthy. All right, now five to one. Goldie the Gopher. Yeah. Um, mostly because he made up that trophy with faux Pelini, <laughs> but you're right. The buck teeth is cute. The floppy tail. Yeah. And he's a gopher. Totally works. It's Gophers are unique. We need more of that. Not many gophers in, in college sports. I no. agree. Let's get more. Uh, number four, uh, Ode to You, Ralphie and Chip. Personal favorite. I think Ralphie is one of the coolest traditions they have in college football running. Chip took one to the boys a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, I feel bad for him. He's still recovering, I'm sure. Uh <laughs> Chip is the cute. I mean, he is just unbelievably cute. If you, I yeah. mean, Chip doesn't get enough love, and a lot of people focus on Ralphie. Go look up Chip, Colorado's mascot. Yeah. He's he's adorable. Look up the video too. You don't have a new every guy out for, there is wincing. A new respect for for mascots out there. Uh, number three, Otto the Orange, could have been an honorable mention, but he's an orange for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, and he has an ungodly huge nose for an orange that almost makes it look like he's two oranges. Big eyes, wears a, a blue cap for Syracuse. Just an awkward shape, awkward blob of just orange. orange. <laughs> it fits him perfectly. And the name Otto. Yeah. The, na- the name really you know seals it home. The Oregon Duck. Um, Classic. Puddles, I guess, is I think has been a name There's that's a been debate. used before. There's a... A huge debate between these cult followings of the Oregon Duck, whether or not the name is Puddles or not. I personally think that it makes it be. even cuter. Yeah. And then Slap the fact the that Puddles is. is doing all those push-ups after all those points Oregon scores. I don't know how he's still so fat. That's Oof. my question. Yeah. But Jenny Craig, where are you at? <laughs> Number one is a lump sum. Any team that's got a live dog for a mascot. Because a lot of teams that have a live dog for a mascot, their regular mascot's pretty good too. Uh, you look at Smokey for, for Tennessee, their regular mascot's pretty good too. Uh, you look at UGA, um, their Bulldog. Bulldog's pretty good. I The Aggies don't have another uh, – I don't think they have another mascot. Man, I think it's no. just Reveille, but live dogs are number one. Yeah, they have to be. And, and if your dog – person mascot is good too extra points yep bottom five uh, honorable mentions first western kentucky's big red the hilltoppers uh south carolina's cocky the gamecock and delta state the fighting okra i think delta state could have gotten to top five but they're not an fbs program uh still bad okra. i get trying to be unique but you're teetering on the level of like minor <laughs> league baseball yep. like insanity yep. And the fighting okra, it just doesn't. I don't see it. Number five, shout out to Nebraska, Herbie and Little Red. Not a great combo. No. You know, Ralphie terrifying. and Chip, good combo. Herbie and Little Red, not great. Nebraska on the losing end of just about everything yeah. this year so far. Number four, you already mentioned this one, Oski for Cal. I, the face does it. Creepiest face. <laughs> Him and the next one, I think, could rise the charts based on how creepy their faces are. If you haven't seen Oski, and the, the sweater vest that he has representing Cal, 
I I just don't see where they were going with that one. Number three, Purdue Pete. His eyes just we mentioned it week one. Just I don't like it. It's terrifying. That's the guy you wake up or see in an alley or wake up from a nightmare from. Uh, <laughs> Purdue Pete. I don't think they got one aspect of him right. Uh, number two, the Cayenne Pepper from U- University of Louisiana Lafayette. Slept on. One of the smaller schools in Louisiana. Uh, doesn't get enough attention. And if he did, it would be for all the wrong reasons. That's why he's number two on our bottom five mascots. And number one, the Stanford Cardinal. Googly eyes. They'll get a win this week, but that tree is absolutely terrifying. It's so flimsy, and the googly eyes sets it over the top. Yeah, and he's always just spinning around. You don't even know where the eyes are half the time. It's like an owl. (laughs) Five seconds, Stephen. Anything? Till Monday.